Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And now a late newscast on behalf of the, oh, I don't know why we bother anymore, Broadcast Corporation. In the wake of the recent catastrophically stupid Brexit decision and the rise of Donald Trump in the US, stocks in satire have fallen to an all-time low, with leading satire traders saying that nothing their clients could ever come up with could in any way be as utterly ridiculous as Nigel Farage's face or Boris Johnson's everything. One leading satirist, who wished to remain nameless, said that he had whipped up some shit blancmange in a novel turnip-shaped hat and covered it in a fright wig. But even that, he said, he could take more seriously than Donald Trump's, and I'm quoting him here, fuck sack full of clementine sick that passes for a face. Good news, however, for jaunty-stepped, irritatingly northern end-of-the-pier joke-tellers, however, as stocks in old and slightly racist puns rose again for the third consecutive day. Despicable waste of human skin and mouldy bag full of rat effluent, Jim Davidson said that he has never had so much work and laughed heartily, praising that having a brain like a duck intestine filled with hobo shoes has never been so profitable. And in breaking news, this just in, Bobby Davro is said to be tossing his dunce cap full of Bellarenberg's half-eaten scotch eggs into the ring as a possible candidate for Prime Minister when David Cameron steps down later this year. The Conservative Party have responded by throwing their arms up in a half-hour shrug and saying, sure, why not? Little and Large can be Education Minister, but only if they wear one large brown novelty trench coat and pretend to be an unconvincingly tall person. And in further financial news, the Pathos Index has crawled quietly away into a corner and wept pathetically into a jumper full of dead mice. Across the pond, though, things look much brighter as Conservatives have rallied together to try and highlight the, as one critic said, blisteringly real and hilariously authentic portrayal of an Asian-American that was Mickey Rooney's performance in Breakfast at Tiffany's. When asked if they had any comment on gun laws, gay rights, women's rights, the impending apocalypse or the proliferation of generally useless assholes lying about, they said, Nope, we're politicians and we won't be drawn into your feeble liberal trick of wanting to discuss the issues. Instead, I think it's disgusting in 2016 that the wishy-washy, politically correct folks out there consider Mickey Rooney a true American and his portrayal in the American classic Breakfast at American Tiffany's as woefully misjudged when clearly it's a work of American comic genius. The men I saw then went back to sniffing each other's bottoms while quaffing vast amounts of processed pudding substitute and shooting local vagrants for not owning enough yachts. And now, just to bring us all down, it's this week's episode of the After Movie Diner, which is brought to you by the I'm So Sorry This Won't Happen Again Coalition of Walton on the Twinge and Nigels of Bond Street supplied the large rubbery cocks. Sorry, by which, of course, we mean roosters. And not penis. Anyway, on with the deconstruction of modern bathing techniques and the deep, strokey-chinned rumination on the Heidelberg principle of flappy guts.
Hello and welcome to another episode of the After Movie Diner. And here we are in a diner after a movie yet again, only this time, instead of my regular co-host, we have yet another guest host. You're the third guest host in a row. Thank you very much. Uh, it is, um, he hasn't been on a podcast in a long, long time. He used to have his own one. He no longer does. Therefore, there's no real frame of reference, and you probably haven't listened to his previous times on this show. However, this is a killer introduction. He is, he is phenomenal. He is funny. He is a good friend, and I am so glad that I've twisted his arm and broken his neck to get him back on the show. Keep digging. <laughs> it is the wonderful, the one the only, the fascinating Mr. Mark McDonald. Sir, it's a pleasure. Wonderful and fascinating? What was it? That was the best you could do? I was really expecting a lot more. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, it, it, it exudes... Nothing about my... Hilarious... Scintillating personality. Hilarious, handsome... What a wonderful and fascinating. That's, that's scintillating personality. If All I right. that one. All right. All right, all right. He's gonna be. He's gonna I've be. I've heard you introduce other people. You're much more. What's the word? What do you mean? I said you're amazing. You're legendary. It's not good. It's it's not good enough to be legendary. Epic. Yeah. I feel like you should exaggerate a lot more. Okay. <laughs> you're usually much more effusive. That is the word. Effusive. Exaggerate your legendariness. Yes. If that is such a thing. No, that's all right. I don't buy it either. No. Exaggerate your legend should be the word. But anyway, it's, it's wonderful to have Mark McDonald back on the. Material to work with. It's no, not at all. Uh, uh, like, like uh, child's Play-Doh. You are easy to work with and fun. Uh, uh, but you a rub. Smell. <laughs> a wonderful smell, and you that's rub off on my hands. <laughs> Oh, that's disgusting. Just the sheer image of that. And we are in the Waverly uh, Dinerette here on uh, West Forth, or just down from West Forth. Is this a dinerette? I just thought I'd add et on the end of the word to sound flowery and pompous. You're not looking at a menu. Do you already know what you're getting? We're going to have ham, egg, and chips. Ham, egg, and chips. Well, ham, egg, and fries, whatever they call it. Oh, don't try and pretend. Yeah, yeah. Oh, ham, egg, and fries. You can do that. You're going to have ham, egg, and fries. A bit somewhere, there's two eggs. Oh, look. Boom. There's two eggs with ham. Boom. Served with breakfast? French fries or toast. I'm not particularly hungry, so maybe I should do breakfast, too. I'm having ham, egg, and fries, dude. That's all I want. Ham, egg, and fries. Yeah. They don't do disco fries. Either. I don't know what that is. Disco fries is with melted cheese and gravy. Oh, okay. It's not the kind of thing you would have with ham and eggs. But if they had disco fries, I might rethink the ham and eggs. But actually, I just want ham, eggs, and fries. I've already thought about it, and I know what I want. This this is what I hate about diners is there's too much on the menu. I'm not ready. <laughs> he'll, he'll be ready in about two minutes, man. Thanks so much. <laughs> Oh, I've got the cops just showed up. That's fantastic. It's that's, over. We're that's, done for. That's hilarious. That's the Jeez best. It. No, no. It's the fuzz. That is the best um, diner moment in any of the ones that I've recorded in an actual diner. Was you going? No, I'm not ready. Like, that's the best. That has made me happy. I'm not ready. Now. <laughs> no, I understand you were just being honest. I don't know. But it came across as 
the most miserable thing I've ever heard. It was tremendous. I am the most miserable thing. Because you were just about to say the trouble with diners is there's too much on the menu, and he comes over to you. No, I'm not ready. It's too much pressure. I'm glad I'm entertaining you. Oh, it's tremendous. The audience of this episode have already uh, have already decided. Got their money's gonna, worth. No, yeah, they've already decided it's going to be a good one. Uh, um, so uh, tonight we can I get a hallelujah? Uh, uh, oh, challah as in challah bread. Yeah. As in the I don't know uh, what that is. Jewish festival. I'm Jewish. I should know. Jewish? <laughs> well, my mom's Jewish. So I would never have guessed. <laughs> Except for the all the talking and the beer and the depression and the neurosis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the beard, the, the horribly Hasidic beard that I, I seem to grow. <laughs> that has now collapsed, Mark, into fits of laughter. I'm already winning, ladies and gentlemen. I'm already winning this episode. So I promised Mark that I would do all the talking uh, because he feels like this film has nothing to talk about, which, quite honestly, I think is crazy. Nothing. Um, and uh, why, why don't you, at the very least, uh, say what the film is? Can I can I yank that from you? Uh, the film is the king of comedy. Is it? King or kings? It's king. King of comedy. The king of comedy. The, the, uh, Better to be Scorsese. king for a night than schmuck for a lifetime. Yes. The Martin Scorsese joint. The Ma- Martin Scorsese film. Tony, uh, oh, Spike Lee Robert and, Spike Lee and Robert joined. Rodriguez who right. says joint. Um, but yeah, it's uh, Martin Scorsese's uh, little... Uh, sort of unheralded and almost I felt like the way it was filmed almost kind of sort of a low budget slightly guerrilla film because you feel like especially with the scenes on New York that they just went out with a camera there like are people gawping in the background do you know what I mean yeah, especially like the Times Square things you feel like they just stole those shots yeah it, it doesn't feel as um uh, purposefully filmed as something like even Taxi Driver or Raging Bull or Goodfellas. It feels a bit scrappy, don't you think? I can't multitask. Oh, okay. <laughs> I will wait for you to pick. You're just going to be like, I'll have eggs. Uh, and then once that happens, we'll continue to talk. But yeah, Martin Scorsese is King of Comedy, uh, which comes out, I want to say, uh, 1987. <laughs> I'm going to look it up while you uh, pick what you want to eat. Oh, your problem is you don't want to actually edit anything. When you're ready, close the menu. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, man, talk to him like that. He loves that. Tell him what's what, and he'll he'll make it happen. Um, we are so getting spit in our food. Um, although that might be considered a delicacy. Um, oh no, it's 1982. So it's early, 1982. I thought it was 1980. That's why it looks so 70s, because it's 1982. 70s. No, I said that's why it looks so 70s. Like when he went into his apartment, it looked quite 70s and velvet. Do you know what I mean? And I thought that the um, reception of the office building was very kind of 70s in its design. Like it was trying to look futuristic, but now that we're in the future, you look back at it and you go, that looks so it's 70s. retro-futuristic. Right, 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 right. It's so depressing that when you look up Robert De Niro on IMDb, his last uh, credit was Dirty Grandpa with fucking... What's his name in it? What's his name? That fucking little turd who's in movies. 
Adam Sandler? No. No, no, no. He's an old turd now. This is like the new young turd who's probably going to take over from Sandler. He's in Neighbors with Seth Bollock. Oh, Zach Efron? Zach Efron. Even, but like, both his, his names. His only skill is being pretty. But both his names, the name Zach and the name Efron, make me want to punch him in the face. Just like both of his names are punchable. My like, middle name is Efron. No, it's not. <laughs> you are not Mark Efron <laughs> you don't know that my middle name is actually oh, no, no. Zach. I do know that your middle name is not either Zach or Efron. Um, so this comes after Deer Hunter, Raging Bull, and True Confessions. Um, uh, uh, King of Comedy. He then follows it up with Once Upon a Time in America, Falling in Love, Brazil, The Mission. I mean, this was back when De Niro could do no wrong. Brazil. He was on a roll. He plays Tuttle in Harry oh, Tuttle. Oh, in I'm Brazil. sorry. I thought you were doing Scorsese. Uh, well, Scorsese was on a roll as well. He did Raging Bull. And, uh, well, he did New York, New York, which, of course, was not a success. Well, there are many who say this was not part of his role. Right, except me. I think it is part of his role. Uh, it's, it's interesting. It's... I don't know. It's I'm an half and half. It's an incredibly well scripted, incredibly well acted, but somewhat scrappily and quickly shot movie. I didn't really have a big problem with the shooting. The editing was, was all over style. the place. It was a little the editing was all over the place fair. as well. That's fair. Uh, <laughs> you feel like but this I is. I felt like he still did interesting stuff with the camera. Yeah, but there weren't like like there are a couple of very classic Scorsese shots. Yeah, like which, the shot where he's talking to the audience that's posted on the wall. Right, 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 and, and it just pulls slow, down that long carrot. Pull, pull back. But there aren't the montages. There aren't the like bright colors. There isn't the slow mo. There isn't. You know, yeah. you go first. Uh, I would like two eggs, ham, and fries. Oh, why do you like the eggs? Um, over easy. Oh, over easy. With the ham and the French fries. With hams and French fries. Yes. Why hold the right those? Uh, right. Any drink? Uh, no, water's fine. Check. No, actually, I'm going to have a black and white note. Check together, separate. Uh, separately. Yes, sir. I'm going to have what he's having. Same thing. Uh, yeah, but bacon instead of ham. And uh, chick. Uh, yeah. Black and white. So, two over easy. Bacon, french fry. And it's fine to bring one check as well. Let's have the one yeah, check. Yeah, just do one. Just the one check. I'll pick it up. Whatever's easier for you. Everything easy for me because only only one check we can take a two card. So only one card. So okay. I'm, I'm picking up the check. For us, everything easy. He already hates us. He's like another couple of comedians coming in tonight. Nah. <laughs> you're right, we're not comedians. You're, you're priceless, sir. You're we're priceless. not funny at all. I can't tell if he's just like really miserable no, he or hates if he us. hates us. I think he, I hates, think he us. hates us and he's miserable. <laughs> and he's a double whammy. Um, is this your water or my water? That's your water. Oh, okay. I've already drunk out of this. Cheers, diner, cheers. Cheers. Cheers, diner, cheers. Um, so anyway, um, there are a few Scorsese flourishes, but I feel like I feel like if if the Arty set go along to this in order to see like 
incredible cinematography and director work you're not going to yeah. see. Yeah. Um, oh, the other Scorsese. It's also very outside his wheelhouse. It's like a Woody Allen movie. It's like it's it's like a notch. It's sort of in that ballpark. Okay. There are sequences where. A bit. Not as charming though, I don't think. Well, I think if Woody played the pumpkin role, it wouldn't be it would as. Would have been more charming. Well, he would have been like more crazily neurotic rather yes. than psychotically weird. Yeah. Weird. He's not a likable character. No, he's awkward. Yeah. In fact, what made me think, especially the sequences where he keeps like running up the steps and saying to Jerry, like, and Jerry, another thing, like yeah. those sequences. Ricky Gervais watched this when he was like 20 and has just done this shtick. Well, and that's what was, I was, one of the things I was thinking watching it was. Um, it's the comedy of awkwardness, a lot of it. It's cringe comedy and. Not all of not it. Not heavy, not right, right, right. really heavy, because otherwise I would have absolutely hated it because I right. hate cringe comedy. Right. Cringe comedy is painful to me. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. literally, I don't know if it's whatever, my own hang ups, but I have a lot of difficulty watching, which is why I hate a lot of uh, Ricky Gervais's work. Right. Um, although, he has some good stuff, too. But he does. He's very... But I'm 50-50 on him as yeah, well. I know exactly yeah. what you mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I hate a lot of new popular comedy shows that have that style where it's just somebody making an ass out of themselves the entire right. show, and I can't... I, I just don't like it. But I think, I think because this is... First of all, it's written very well. Okay. You don't think so? Mm. As a satire, oh, I, think I think it's, it's written... It, it, it's written well. It sure. manages to nail everything while maintaining a consistent character and never makes you feel like, oh, I'm watching a satire, even though the humor, a lot of it, comes from the satire. Okay. All right. I think the more I think about it... A lot of satires would have stepped out of the film and gone, look, look what we're doing, look yeah, how clever right, we're right, being, right. and it never does that. No, that's true. And there's no speechifying. It's not even like um, uh, Good Night and Good Luck, which I love, right? And obviously is making serious commentary on the McCarthy era and da-da-da-da-da. But in order to, like, nail home what the movie's about, uh, Clooney includes that speech at the beginning that Edward R. Murrow gives that kind of goes, this is exactly what this movie is going to be about, and let me lay it out for you, and these are the people, and blah, 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 blah. This never does that. You either pick up on the satire or you don't. Like, it doesn't... Um, yeah, I mean, it's satirical, definitely. And ahead of its time, to some extent. Maybe a little <laughs> in its commentary on the, the celebrity culture and... Or that the reaching for celebrity culture by regular people, yeah. which nowadays is even more. Although, ironically, we're sitting here recording a, podcast, a couple of schlubs recording our podcast, yeah. hoping to one day be kings for the night. No, I gave up on that a long time. But no, I don't know about you, but this movie, and again, because there was a point in my life where I was. Naive, let's say naively ambitious. That's okay. the best way to put it. I was never this guy. Right. But there is a kernel of this guy that sure. lived like deep within me that right. would occasionally be like, I can't wait to be on a show and be interviewed by people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I just so desperately wanted to be interviewed by people. Um, and it's so funny because Frank Zappa's documentary was on the uh, trailer before this. 
and in the Frank Zappa documentary, he says, like, uh, um, he's being interviewed, and he says, short of being tortured, or what was the word he used? Oh, yeah. Oh, short of the Spanish Inquisition, this is, like, the most abnormal state a human could be, being interviewed. Right. But yeah. all I yeah. grew up... I didn't, like, I didn't necessarily want to do the work or be creative, although that is definitely part of it. I do like doing being creative. But I definitely wanted to do the work and then be heralded and interviewed for it. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I think that's the difference, is that, I mean, you put in an awful lot of work into everything you do. I know that for a fact, but... Uh, I feel like in the movie, Rupert is just. Oh no! That, well, he, that's the whole he point. He does no work. No, he does no work. No, no. Yeah. The, the, there's getting to the movie in a little bit, but just the character itself lives. I think lives or had lived within me at some point, and I also think that that's why I equate this with Taxi Driver, because although I would never do what uh, uh, Travis Bickle does in Taxi Driver, and I would never do what Rupert Pupkin does in The King of Comedy, there is both movies. I think speak to men at a certain age uh, whether it's about loneliness and, and experiencing the world around you and seeing it for the first time as messy and grubby and weird or that desire for ambition, that desire for success but not or to show your peers. Right. And be like, ah, you guys that made fun of me in high school. Right, right, right. That whole sequence uh-huh. where he dreams yeah. about getting married on the show and yeah, he's being right. married by, by his, his old high, high school, school principal. principal. Yeah. And and the whole wedding spiel is all about, like... Thank you everybody, very much. Want, everybody wants to apologize. Thank you. Yeah, we want to apologize on a national stage yeah, yeah. for everything we did in high school. Yeah. That speaks to the 12-year-old in me. It doesn't speak to the 36-year-old in me, but it definitely no. speaks to the 12-year-old in me. Um, and he's definitely, Pupkin's definitely in a, a state of arrested development. Yeah. Um, but what what is very interesting is, especially in this day and age, if you look at um, uh, any of the stand-up comedians that get interviewed, or Mark Maron's chat show, or... A comedians in cars getting coffee or whatever it is. Sure. Louis C.K.'s TV show. Um, the one thing we all know about now, if we're interested in it at all, right. is the work that goes into being a stand-up comic. Right. Right? Jay Mayo talks about it all the time on, on his show, Hold the Mayo Podcast, listen to it on iTunes. But what I mean is, is that... It's not just, oh, I had a funny idea, that looks easy, we get up on stage and do it, and everyone should give me the opportunity to do it. It's about the first time you get on stage, you're going to bomb, right? And then the second time you're going to get on stage, maybe you get a few laughs, but you're still going to bomb. And you have to hone that material. Hone that. So we all know that now. But back then when this was made, I'm not sure like, how well, much of that had been discussed. Well, not only that, but also... You're not just getting on stage. You're going to like an open mic. You're going to, of course, right, 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 right. You know, tiny venue in the middle of nowhere for an open mic with a right. bunch of other people who are all people. also open mic people, and right. that's your audience. You know. So and it's like they were saying in the movie: you got to do your time. Right. And so, what's really fascinating about this is that I listen to a lot of those comedian podcasts, and they say about the open micer who shows up at the um, they have these gigs where you have to bring certain number of bringers they call like certain number of people and you get open micers who like don't bring the right amount of people but assume they should just get like the next headline spot because they think one of their bits is funny right 
you extrapolate that their Rupert Pupkin you know what I mean like they just want to jump the line um, and I definitely knew people in when I was at university doing a film course who were like well I'm going to make one movie and be the Coen Brothers you know what I mean or I'm going to yeah. make a movie and be Spielberg yeah. and they're like it doesn't quite work like that you know what I mean right. everything unless you're really one really good and two really lucky Yes. It, it can happen. Yes. It just doesn't happen to everybody. Right. And In it fact, it doesn't happen to 90%, 99% of everybody. Right. So first of all then, what did you take what did you take away from the film? Like what what were your favorite bits? What bits do you feel didn't work? Um I think I like the concept. Um, I think if I had to pick something that didn't work and it's strange. I'm probably going to get flack for saying this, but I feel like De Niro didn't work. Right. I don't feel like he's the right type for that role because he's... I mean, he's very good in it. Don't get me wrong. He's a good actor. I just feel like it's the wrong... I don't know. He comes across sleazy and shitty, and I feel like you're supposed to be on his side in the movie. Like, I feel like the way it's written, you're supposed to go for go to bat for him. You're supposed to no, be like... No, I don't think that at all. I think the whole point of the movie is you're that... You're supposed to hate him? Is that um, um, uh, Langford is nice enough to him when he gets in the car and listens to him, puts up with him. Jerry Lewis was great, by the way. Jerry Lewis is incredible in He movie. was amazing in this, which is something, because I'm not a big Jerry Lewis fan. Me neither. No. And I feel like this is probably closer to who he really is than the rubber-faced, you know, nutty yeah. professor guy. Right, right. Um, but he does a great Carson uh, uh, sort of style put upon, put upon uh, guy. Celebrity who's, yeah. And in, I think in a film where it was a little more even and where maybe the film falls down is it could have been more successful to have shown Langford's life as much as you show Pupkin's life to okay. kind of give it that balance right because at the end of the day they're both lonely losers right well not losers He's, one's a winner one's a loser right but 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 in a sense they're both losers like, right Langford doesn't have anyone in his life he doesn't have anyone in his life it's not, he doesn't appear to be happy he doesn't have friends coming over that weekend that they right. go up to his house. He doesn't yeah. have any friends there. Yeah. He's not got a girlfriend. He's not got a mistress. Yeah. He hates He's the eating f- dinner alone. He hates the fame. His dog is little and shitty. Uh, <laughs> sorry. I wish made you spit out your milkshake. His dog is little like and shitty. You're going to be sleeping in the doghouse tonight. He's got a little Pomeranian or something with a bow in his hair. It's just sat on the chair. Don't you have a little dog? No, we have a Boston Terrier. Kick ass with little. one eye. Well, yeah, it's kick-ass. It's kick-ass. She's kick-ass. She's kick-ass. So, um, but no, little. but I, I feel like you're meant to, like, Langford's nice to him. Um, the uh, assistant, and I forget her name. Which one? The the one who takes his tape. Oh, okay. Says, listen what do I know her from? I don't know. But, like, actually gives him good advice. Yep. Says to him twice... I really mean it. If you do stand up somewhere, we will come and listen. She actually listened to the tape. Right. So yep. even if it's even if it's all BS, they're still as nice as he has any reasonable expectation for them to be to him. Right. Yeah. 
But because they don't go along with his fantasy, which is that he believes him and Jerry are friends after one conversation in the back of the car, and he also believes that this dream he had about Jerry saying, you're amazing, come down to the summer house is real, right? Because they don't buy into his delusion, he says, well, my only other recourse is violence and craziness. Um, and so I don't think you're meant to like him. I think you're meant to be a little wary of him. I think that you're meant to laugh at him. And I think that the fact the reason why I would say De Niro works is because underneath his car salesman mustache and shitty cheap pastel blue suit. Yeah, which I don't like, but whatever. Okay. Yeah. You can tell. Well, no, it's a, it's a, it's a, a guy dressing like that, thinking he looks the part when he so clearly stands out like a sore thumb. Yeah, which that's is what's why brilliant I don't, about it. But I see, and I don't like that. I'd rather he was more... He's, he's fucking odious. Like, I can't stand the guy. There's nothing about him that I find charming or interesting. He's a smug, like, thinks he's amazing. He's manipulative. He's, like... There's nothing charming about anything, and yet he's the main he's, character. He's delusional and naive. He's extremely and, delusional and, but he's also and in, a on manipulative, the, in a manipulative way and on, the, a, and on the edge of uh, uh, and psychosis and he um, without De Niro playing it you wouldn't have that rum- like every time De Niro's on screen no matter what he's doing there's that rumbling underbelly of like danger mm-hmm. like any minute Popkin could snap and pull a gun out of his jacket yes right? I agree which is why I which is why it works for me watching it the way I see, watch for it for me I felt like that hurts the movie more than so I guess maybe my problem with the movie is tone like it's sort of all over I get that it's dark comedy quote unquote you know but it's like the comedy isn't comedic enough and the dark is well this, this is the other difference I don't know if it was a Woody Allen movie um, there would be lines in it, it that were obvious no, but there would have been lines in it that were obvious jokes that you would laugh at okay. because it was written as a joke in this there's behavior that you laugh at behavior and situation yes. that generates the joke yes. rather than and here's a funny one liner that I just rattled off let me just okay so like the last act of the film right is very good I enjoyed that a lot everything from the moment they kidnapped what Sandra Bernhardt who's yeah. also she's, amazing she's in this great movie. and her she's her incredible. with him in all those scenes and they they keep cutting away at these perfect moments right. to her back at the house but where she's lit all the candles which is which is great that was wonderful but that's what like there was a, the most obvious joke in the movie the most standout obvious practical joke in the movie is the fact that they've wrapped him up with an excessive amount of tape. <laughs> okay. right? Yeah, that's and you have this long shot gag. of him and her at the table. And he plays it perfectly. Because at this point, he's not scared anymore. He's just had enough. Yeah. Like he's just alright, enough with this insanity. I've had <laughs> yeah. enough. And he plays it so well. Like the sigh he gives when she takes off his tape and he just gives that. Ugh. 
Yeah. Like, <laughs> he's just yeah. like, how much longer? Although I did think a bad choice was when he finally figures out that the gun is fake and he slaps her. I thought him hitting her was a bit much. I don't know. Right, but it's also... It makes sense, but it's also felt... Uh, on that side. Bacon on the left side, ham on the right side. Thank you. And just yes. in the middle. <laughs> You're amazing. Well, thank you. When did they start serving it in little skillets? I don't know, but this is very fancy. They've, they've, they've looked around and they've gone, okay, so wait a minute, the neighborhood is becoming hipster, so we have to somehow start serving shit on artisanally chiseled wooden things and fake skillets. <laughs> they never used to do this. It used to be on, like, nice, old, moldy, dirty diner china, which is what I want. You just contradicted yourself about four times. What do you mean? Nice, old, moldy, dirty... China. I like old crack yeah, diner plates. So to me, it is nice. So now we pause while we eat something? No, we keep talking while we eat something, like yeah. we would if we were just sat here talking. So, I, so I think your problem with the movie is that you don't quite. I feel like get it should have been a character. little lighter. And I, I think feel that like would it destroy it. Had... I think if anything, it should have gone darker. But there's still such thing as charming dark comedy. Like, it doesn't have to just be... I think if you side with him, you lose the point. How can you side with a guy who lives in his basement is that massively delusional? You're, like, when he goes, Mom, shut up. You can be up. sympathetic. No, but... You when, don't side with him, like, when his mom oh, my God, I love When his guy, mom interrupts like, him. Oh, I kind of want this guy to succeed. But at this moment, at the end of this, I'm like, fuck this asshole. I hope he's in prison for life. But that's the point. That's the satire. Look at the guy who gets out of, like, the mobster who gets out of prison and becomes famous for writing a tell-all book. You know what I mean? That Scorsese then, funnily enough, makes a movie out of. Yeah. Like, look at the Wolf of Wall Street guy, right? Yeah. In, in that movie, right, you like him. Because Ooh, I don't know, I didn't watch. No, him. I don't like him because I don't like him in real life. But and and I I'm not a big fan of excess. You're mental, like But the way it's played, the way it's shot, and the way it's like offhandedly written, is you're meant to be like, oh wow, yeah, I I want to live this life because you're not at any point shown the hundreds of lives that were destroyed by this massive plum. Um. Which is one of the reasons I didn't. And I would, I would say, yeah. Also, he makes money off the movie. Um, so, I would say that's a big, big problem for me. Whereas with this one, first of all, I don't need likable characters because I'm liking the plot. I'm liking, I'm liking not liking these characters. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, there are there's such thing as characters you love to hate. Right, and while I agree with you that the the slap that he gives her at the end is out of place, I think it's out of place not for the character because I think there is that mean bastard in Jerry Lewis's character in this movie. Right, and it's almost sort of warranted because it's like he's been kidnapped and right. he just got away. But it's also she's. I don't, don't want to say she's harmless, but she's clearly like 
because the next scene is her then running after him a little mental down the street in her underwear yeah you immediately go back to laughing again so the darkness and the gasp of the slap doesn't resonate that's the problem with it it's not that it's out of character you should at that point go oh wait a minute who do I side with yeah also it should be a moment where like hey this is real everything just happened is real right that's the one in, bit I in actually movie think that was fails in the movie. Seriously, then it yeah. would say that's the moment where she would break out of her little reverie. Right. And they would say, "This is real. You just fucking kidnapped me." Right. I'm calling the cops right now, and they're going to arrest you, and you're right. going to go to jail. But instead, it's he walks out, and she chases him down the street in her underwear, going, "Jerry, Jerry, or not Jerry." Yeah, it's Jerry. Oh, it's He's Jerry, Jerry yeah, Langford Jerry. and yeah, yeah. Jerry Lewis. Yeah. Yeah, so it's the one bit for me that doesn't tonal. quite work. Yes, tonally it doesn't work. I think it works for his character. I think it's exactly what he would do. Yeah, I mean it makes it makes sense. I just didn't think it worked. You, flow. What I mean is, he doesn't come across as a warm character. You imagine that he's probably quite. He speaks like the way he speaks down to his house servants. Like he's like, I'm standing out there for eight minutes. And he wasn't. He just rang the bell. But like. And I understand he's under stress because he thinks there's someone in his house, but even so, you can tell he's not nice to people in general, you know what I mean? No, why else does he live in an empty house and have nobody around? Right. Despite the fact that he's a super successful, famous, rich person. Right. I've just realized we're talking about this movie and we haven't really explained what it's about. It, for people who haven't seen it, it's about a guy called Rupert Pupkin who lives in his basement. Uh, you never meet his mum, but you hear her like shouting down and telling well, him. I just to keep saw online quiet. that that's played by Martin Scorsese's mom. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, 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 she's in a lot of his movies. Is she? Mm-hmm. Oh. In fact, he made a fascinating documentary about his par- parents and family that um, his mum and dad are in, and they're amazing. They're real characters. Um, so he lives there and he wants to be a stand-up comedian without basically doing any work and he harasses a Johnny Carson in fact, I type. don't even think he has an act in the beginning no. uh, Middle America has an act thinks, yeah. thinks he has an act but no I mean I don't think he actually had an act that he had done and prepared I feel like he wrote it when they asked him to put give him a tape I don't right, know right, right. I don't no, find he, it hard to believe he actually had I don't know, maybe he did. He certainly rehearsed enough stuff in his head. Right. But this is a guy who doesn't want to be famous for being funny. He wants to be famous for being on a chat show. Like, he watches The Tonight Show every night and he just wants to be glad-handing and sipping scotch and smoking cigarettes. And He wants to be Jimmy Fallon. Not famous for being funny, just for being on a chat show. <laughs> He's funny on the chat. I hate Jimmy Fallon. I'm sorry. Um, and in um, the last recourse, when um, he shows up at his idol's summer home and is thrown out, and is shown up shows up at his office and is thrown out. Once those two humiliating acts take place, humiliating to him. He decides the only recourse is with his crazy, obsessive autograph buddy, Sandra Bernhardt, is to kidnap Jerry Langford and demand 
that he gets put on the show. And also, I should point out, those two humiliating acts... Are perfectly reasonable that they react are, that way. They are, but they're also two humiliating acts in the sense it's the first two acts of the film are nothing but those happening. Like, my other complaint is that this is such a long lead-in to get to the good stuff, which is the third act and the kidnapping... See, I don't. I don't feel that. I feel I, like I, it's it drags on interminably with him sitting in the waiting room and submitting stuff and coming back and going and going. It's, it's like okay, we get it. He's trying to get on the show. They don't want him on the show. I, don't know, I felt like that. Yeah, but it's not. It just wasn't that. terribly long. You're meant to see his cycles. How long is the movie? One hour forty-two. I was just say it wasn't terribly long, but it felt it did feel draggy at parts. To be in the first. Yeah, but I think that I think that in the same way that you have to get to the point where you're like, give up, buddy. Mm -hmm. The characters in the movie. It's almost like they're trying to get you to a point where you're exasperated. The character in the movie, the characters in the movie, have to get to the point where they say, okay, you can't come around here anymore. If he showed up once at their office. And then the next scene was them kicking him out. Oh, I would have said give up before that. So. No. <laughs> <laughs> I I like the slow build of this. The movie is not about the kidnap. It's not a caper crime movie. No, I know. The kidnapping. But that's the best moment of the film. Right, but it's also the climax of the movie. It couldn't be more perfect that Phil Collins is playing right now. <laughs> Can't hear it. Is it take a look at me now? Mm-hmm. Oh, good. Collins is my spirit animal. <laughs> wow. That's a. No, he's not really. That's a, an embarrassing revelation. <laughs> well, he made it without absolutely no talent. He's what are you talking about? He's a great drummer. He's a good drummer. Um. Honestly, I couldn't spot a good drummer if he wiggled on my face. Which is a very strange thing to say about Phil Collins. <laughs> There's something about Phil Collins that both his name and his face make me laugh uncontrollably. And I have no understanding right now why. Will you laugh at him if he's wearing a jacket? Yeah. You will? Yeah. What about if he's not? Well, there's no jacket required. Ah, thank you. I tried to set you off on your kind No, no, I knew where you were going. <laughs> and actually, it's in too deep from the movie Mona Lisa. This is in too deep? Mm-hmm. It's when Bob Hoskins goes down into the seedy underworld of London to try and find the long-lost lesbian love of the uh, prostitute he's been driving around. Favorite film of yours, is it? I just spoiled Mona Lisa for everybody. Um, But yeah, in King of Comedy... um, (laughs) (laughs) Great segue. We once did a podcast about Seven where we spent a long time talking about Lovejoy. So that's not... <laughs> <laughs> that's true. And it was... It not was, about uh, Seven, about um, Zodiac. Zodiac, right, not Seven. I can't even get the film right anymore. My brain has turned to mush. 
We have the best way to Anyway, love joy. Now, Tinker would have made an excellent Rupert Pumpkin. <laughs> I feel like Tinker is Rupert Pumpkin in his own way. He would be a great drunk Rupert Pumpkin. I feel like Lovejoy is <laughs> is secretly about a delusional would-be antique appraiser who just wanted like, like Lovejoy are the dreams of Ian McShane's character, Lovejoy. The reality is oh, that like he Rupert keeps... Pumpkin's dream? Right. The reality is he keeps showing up to stately homes and getting kicked out. <laughs> he, do, you <laughs> think he doesn't get uh, romanced by no. the, the lady? It is, in reality, he's like a slightly balding 45-year-old. <laughs> With a portly belly tucked into very, like, in, in reality. Whereas in his in his fantasy, he's a not at all balding 45-year-old with a portly. Yeah. I was going to say, you didn't change anything about him except the fact that he had hair. In reality, he's like Jay Leno, but balding. <laughs> with the denims and everything. <laughs> and he just shows up in Stanley Holmes. With his drunk homeless friend Tinker. <laughs> You're way too amused by it. And a delusional, mentally unstable boy. <laughs> Eric? Eric. <laughs> the lady's like, oh, Tarquin, it's Lovejoy again. <laughs> he keeps trying to. What kind of name is Tarkin? Tarquin. Tarquin? Tarquin, it's like a posh boy's name. Is it? Mm-hmm. Is that where they got Grandma Tarquin? I don't know. I've never heard that name before. Tarquin and Peregrine. I feel like Peregrine. Rupert is a posh boy's name. Okay. Rupert, it's Lovejoy again. We need to call the police. He's trying to make it away with my priceless antique. I'd say Rupert. <laughs> I'm going to watch Lovejoy again, believing that's the case, and I'm going to enjoy the series so much more. <laughs> what are you saying? You didn't enjoy the series? It was all right. For a series that seemed to go on and on and on and on, despite having no discernible plot. All right. <laughs> this podcast is over. <laughs> Good day, sir. Um... So, okay, so you would have liked him to have been a little nicer. I think that would have missed some of the satire, but... I mean... I don't know. It just felt sleazy. Like, I didn't feel like I cared about that character at all. When's he sleazy, though? Like, he's... He's, he's not sexually amorous or even carnivorous towards no, the bar no. lady that no, he wants right. to take out. No, it's He's like, more trying to impress her with his... No, he more wants her as, like, a prop for his Right, for life. his life. Right. Yeah, which is pretty sleazy. I don't mean sleazy and, like, I don't know. Maybe I'm using the word wrong. I think, I think it's the mustache. The mustache throws you because it is one of the sleaziest mustaches ever on movie. 
The combination of the mustache and the outfit. The pastel blue, three piece. Pastel blue with a white. With uh, the white sh- shoes. White shoes and matching belt. Yeah. It's pretty terrible. I actually think it's one of De Niro's best performances. I don't think his performance is bad at all. Uh, I just would rather they cast somebody else. I think this and Taxi Driver and Lonely Guy, the Steve Martin movie, would make a great triple bill. Really? Mm-hmm. You could start with Taxi Driver and be all depressed. Lonely Guy is a really depressing movie. Right, but Charles Broden is amazing. All right. And then you finish, you start off with King of Comedy, start off with Taxi Driver, then go to King of Comedy, and end with Lonely Guy. Then you go down to the Williamsburg Bridge. And end it all. Stuff off. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's why it wasn't crazy. I, I'm not saying I disliked the movie, I did, did it. Right. Now, what do you think, like, at the end, are we meant to be happy? that he doesn't die on his feet like do you think it's a different movie if because at the end the movie goes from criticizing him to criticizing the kind of audience that laps up crappy jokes night after night yeah right do you think it would be better if the movie ended and he got a dose of reality um and nobody laughed. I think it's he's incapable of getting a dose of reality. But I don't know how much of the movie, the ending, is actually happening and how much is his own little weird fantasy world. Well, no, he definitely becomes a big star. He definitely comes out of prison, writes a book. He definitely does all that. How do you know? Because that's... How do you know that's not all in his head? We've had several scenes where they just cut to the inside of his head, right? Because I think that's the... Commentary? Yes. Yeah. That's the bit where ultimately the satire goes, look, we're being satirical. Yeah. And we're meant to go, oh, yeah, we do exalt the wrong people to places of power and celebrity. I don't even think it's even saying that. I think it's more just like saying, wow, the masses really like dumb shit. (laughs) Right. That's what I mean. It's not that he's the wrong person. Just he's totally untalented. That's the wrong person to exalt to celebrity and stardom. Yeah. All right. Because the regular people like dumb shit. Right. But I don't know. Exalted makes it sound like you're purposely raising him up. Whereas... They did purposely raise him up. And I think that they... I don't think they're purposely raising him up. I think people are genuinely buying his stuff because they're interested. And they're into looking at a freak show. Play everything. I don't know. Look at Charles Manson. He became a worldwide celebrity after trying to kill... Or he did kill him. Yeah, but I think you're discounting his talent on the acoustic guitar. Yeah. Um, that was and his, delicious. And his writing skills. Um, it was all right. God, no pleasing some people. At the end of the movie, you didn't even touch your toast. 
I'll touch it in a minute. I'm letting my mane go down, and then I'm going to have some grape jelly on rye for, for dessert. You're, let, you're letting your mane go down? My mane course go down. Oh. I thought you meant like a mane, like a lion's mane. <laughs> <laughs> I need to let that... I know my hackles are up, and I need to let them drop. So, okay, so let me ask you a question. At the end of the movie... Do you like him or do you hate him? No, I couldn't stand him. Even at the end of the movie? Mm. Yeah. I just don't... I don't think he's a likable character. And and I feel like the moment where he goes into the bar and turns on the show for... What's her name? The girl? Yeah. That should almost be touching, but the way it's played is like, you know, how do you like me now? I don't know. It's like not a... Everything about him is just... Except that... Not likable. What, What is the moment of his lifetime? Is the moment of his lifetime being on stage, or is the moment... People watching life. him. No, but it's the moment of his lifetime him showing her him. in the bus. I think it's him showing her, well, not specifically showing her, but showing anybody. Okay. Right? Right. He's not living to perform. He can give two shits about performing, right? He wants the fame. Right. There's a, I think I, it would be interesting to see the first take of that monologue <clears throat> but I think that that which we should explain we're told before the screening that he did an early take of the finals stand up final stand up routine and ended yeah. up doing a second take of it after practicing for a couple of days because he didn't like it <clears throat> supposedly and that performance is it, like it's that is truly incredible that performance of him doing the stand up the way he does it the way he's unsure of the it's jokes but when campy. they when they hit no but it's all in the it's not in the like he plays nervousness he plays oh my god they're actually laughing at this while also playing like the self assured like he's playing like multiple things going Speaking on which, while he also says nothing delivering. funny at all no there's not a single thing in his no that even approaches being close to a joke but there was a guy on uh, talking about Jimmy Fallon there was a guy on Jimmy Fallon the other day that obviously Jimmy Fallon gave the most amazing uh, warm uh, uh, reception to because he loves everybody but like there was a stand up on Jimmy yeah, Fallon yeah I was going to say what day. does that mean that's like Chris Hardwick liking saying he likes somebody right He's a um, sycophant. He just says nice things to right. everybody. You must have liked Letterman because he was a miserable old curmudgeon who yeah, hated most of Yeah, no. No, I actually really liked... Uh, I didn't what's his name? The Scottish guy. Oh, right. Yes, uh, Craig, Craig Ferguson. Ferguson. I haven't seen his show on the History Channel. Is that any good? I don't know. I don't, I don't have TV. You don't have the History Channel? Um, it might show up on Netflix. Some of those History Channel things do. Um... No, there was a stand-up on Jimmy Fallon the other night who said, like, nothing funny. In fact, 
for someone who came out and had to have a 10 minute routine he told one joke was surprised the audience laughed at it so then he told the joke again but just in a different way and it was exactly the same joke and it wasn't even funny the first time and then like for another two minutes he like vamped with no material whatsoever and I'm like you're going on the Tonight Show you have 10 minutes yeah. you're apparently like a seasoned stand-up who's had years and years of... Jay Mayo who is still and would admit like he's only raised to host level he's not not got to headliner level yet but Jay Mayo could go on the Tonight Show for 10 minutes make America laugh better than this guy did. Jay Mayo's awesome but I'm just saying like this guy's been around for decades comes out and does one joke twice and then vamps for the other three minutes so alright he actually made Rupert I'm gonna Popkin. take your word for this he Even made, though I think you're probably biased. No. He made Rupert Pumpkin look like fucking David Letterman. <laughs> okay. I also, can't imagine anybody being on TV and being worse also, than By the way, Pumpkin. there's a whole big thing about how, like, um, Jay Leno back in the day was this amazing stand-up, and Jay Leno still makes all his money doing stand-up and saved all his TV money and blah, 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 blah. I have, and, and every comedian ever interviewed has said, like, oh, Jay Leno, back in the day, funniest guy, blah, blah, blah. I've never heard a Jay Leno stand-up bit. I've never heard Jay Leno say anything that was funny. Like, I've heard stand-up bits and, and seen one-hour television specials and blah, 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 of almost every stand-up comedian from the shittiest to the best. I have never, has Jay Leno even done a special? Like... I don't think he did. I think because he ended up doing Tonight Show before he was ever right. Famous and on the Tonight TV. Show, he never said one thing that was ever funny ever once. Never. I never saw any of his monologues that I went, "Oh, that was funny." Where are we going with this? I don't know. Besides just we're... saying that we hate famous comedians. <laughs> where are we going with this? <laughs> We've both been coming grumpy old conventions. That's hey, where we go. With you're this. doing all the talking here. Yeah, no, I, I'm freely admitting I'm a grumpy. So, okay, so you didn't like the character, you didn't like him. What were your other negatives about? <laughs> <laughs> what? What were your Why other negatives? Because so there's about to be more. I didn't like the train they rode out. That's Why not are a you realistic train. Butter and jelly on that coat. Yes, because crazier things have happened. What are you talking about? Like, pick one either butter or jelly, but both? Both, always both. Oh, moron. Anyway, carry on. What what, what other things moron. were problematic? I'm leaving, sir. That's it? This podcast is over. Uh, second time you're going to walk out on a show you didn't even want to be a part of in the first place. Um, actually, I shouldn't insult What else you. didn't I like a, about the I'm show? I'm having a spectacular time I'm, talking uh, to you. I appreciate that. I, I, like, I love when you backpedal. It's my favorite part of the show. <laughs> No, I realized that I was... I then I draw out the real nasty you, and then you immediately backpedal. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I really mean... I love everything. All right, all right, all right. I'm a little angry that my milkshake is empty. I'll commit to the bit. Uh, so, uh, okay, what else? What did I like, or what did I hate about this show? Just give us more opinions. People want to know. Eh. Opinions are like assholes. Everyone has one, yeah. It's great. No, they smell bad. Ooh. Ooh. So apart from making it Speaking lighter, of bad jokes. Yeah. 
let's see. Uh, I think overall, I still enjoyed the movie. Yeah. It made me laugh out loud. It was basically the second half is the part that I enjoyed the most. The first half, I was kind of like... I just wasn't warming up to it at all. And it dragged out a lot with him going back and forth. And the... Also, the credits. I hated the credits. <laughs> okay. Whoever picked the font for the credits, that font doesn't match the tone of the film at all. Right. They picked, like, light-hearted comedy font. Because I think for Scorsese, this it was a light-hearted comedy. For him? Yeah, perhaps. I think this was Scorsese trying his hand at comedy. And failing. And I, not to me. I laughed out loud in this film. No, there's And I've even seen it before. In, in more, I laughed out loud in this film more than I have done in a comedy in the theater for maybe a decade. I, I found this movie funnier tonight than I've found this movie in a long, long time. And it's one of my favorites, but I found it utterly hilarious. I mean, it does help to watch it in a theater. Right. Because you have other people laughing. I don't know. I feel like comedies are like horror movies and when it comes to watching in a theater. Like, right, you right, get right. more out of them having an audience. Right. If I was watching this home alone, I probably would have hated it a lot more. I think that's unfortunate. I don't think I would have enjoyed it as much. But I think, for example, there's sequences like... Where she starts singing Come Rain or Come Shine to him while he's still taped to the chair. That was okay. No, no, but it's... Went she on. plays it so straight. You just don't like that song because that was the same song over the credit. You were just like, ah, I hated the long. song stop over the credits. It now. Stop. It's funny, actually, because I hated the song over it's the credits, It's Ray Charles, too. Come Rain or Come Shine. I don't have a problem with the song. It doesn't fit with what's happening in the movie. None of it, it doesn't make sense. Okay. All I'm saying is... Her singing, like, cutting back. We've already had the insanity of her, like, pushing the plates away and let's just go crazy. Which and was da, 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 yes. da. All of that was funny. But then cutting back to her and she then starts singing this song, like, in a totally straight way. She's not doing it in a, a dopey, uh, crazy way. Oh, no. Just, completely straight way. Had me in fits. I thought it was abs- I thought it was hilarious, just the way she was doing it. Um, and the way that the way that no matter what um, uh, Jerry Lewis's assistant said to Pupkin, he was still going to wait. Like, the way that whole scene was played, that <clears throat> that made me laugh. That really made me laugh. I love that. Really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. I mean... The, I laughed right at the beginning where De Niro was trying to hold back the crowd... No, I didn't think that was funny. And it comes to the nearer. <laughs> He's like, I don't know by people. I think the only time <clears throat> when his shtick was really annoying is right at the beginning on the steps of the apartment building. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And you're sat there going, stop, stop, just walk away. You've had yes. your moment, Please stop. Shut up. Walk away, stop. But you're meant to feel that. I know, and I don't like that. But, then but it's legitimate that the movie makes you cringe, feel that way. But that's cringe comedy. But that's no, but I don't think in that sequence they're going for the comedy. I think they're going for the... 
this is where you start laughing and by the end of it you're like whoa okay this guy really doesn't get it like that sequence is meant to show you how delusional he is <clears throat> that's fair and although it's a nice touch I tell you what you could cut out make it shorter and make it better you don't need the dream sequences um you don't see, need and I them. think that draws him as delusional more than him acting like a jerk almost. I don't know. No, no. It highlights his delusion, but that's all they do. Right. They're funny. And I also took that yes, as a yes, setup yes. to the end. So that at the end you would wonder, did he actually succeed or is that his own fault? <coughs> so I didn't... Okay. That I kind of got for that reason. I agree you could lose it. Because it doesn't need that double-edged thing where you're like, oh, is this real or is, and this, the one that, is this him in his imagination? Is the, this really happening or is this his made-up fantasy world? And the one in Sardi's, the first one you see where they're both talking, oh. is it Sardi's at that restaurant with the paintings on the wall? <clears throat> Just off Broadway? I have no idea. No idea. Uh, uh. Where's this? Very famous New York restaurant. I think it's Saudi. Okay. Just over the road from Times Square on Broadway, where they have all the, the <laughs> famous drawings and famous people on the wall. Oh, okay. You know that early oh, sequence the scene in the movie with them talking <clears throat> where he's, he's asking, will you do the show for six weeks? Yeah, yeah. Although it's funny because it's the first time you hear his mum, that sequence goes on too long. That's the one sequence it that does doesn't make a lot of sense. I agree. To, I do agree it went on too long. And even a the lot bit, of those went on too long. I even mean. the bit in the basement where he's got the two cutouts, that didn't need to go on as long as it did. It didn't go on that long. They cut that one pretty um, But he then the one... He sat down, his mom said he had to go to work. And then the best dream off. sequence or the best delusional fantasy sequence is the bit where he's handed in the tape uh, and he has that fancy of Jerry in his office saying, it's amazing, I wouldn't change anything, I don't know how you do it. That's the best That's the best written dream sequence in the thing, where Pumpkin sat really, like, awkwardly, yeah. as if he's, like, a little schoolboy, and Jerry's, like, pontificating okay, about how amazing he is. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, thank you. And the other dream sequence that works really well and informs everything is the... No, I think we're good. Did you want anything else? No, thank you. No, I think we're good, so just to check. Thank you. Um, the other dream sequence that really works is him being on the show and getting married. That's the other one that does really work. But I think the one with him and Sardis... That and one works. It was funny. Well, it works because when you think, okay, wait a minute, this is going on a bit long, but then you hear the high school principal be like, we'd like to apologize for everything we did yeah. to you when you were at school, and suddenly yeah. it elevates it to another... Character also, I really moment. feel like they wasted Victor Borga. Right. You know, they could have had him do something funny. I think it's more. The other thing that I like about this movie is it is kind of B-list people like Randall and Borger and people like that, which are... well, it's the kind of people who would be on a show like that. Right, yeah. and I kind of Thank like you. that. That kind of chintzy, cheesy, late seventies, early eighties. These are the old, you know, because yeah. you don't have that now. Everyone who's uh, famous now is 25. It's, yeah, right. Right? You don't... Yeah, okay, now I mean, it's like a cult of uh, like Don, appearance. It's how good looking you are. Like Don Rickles was on The Tonight Show the other night with, with uh, uh, Fallon again. Like, And uh, I was laughing and Fallon was laughing. The audience 
like laughed where they were meant to laugh, but mm-hmm. like you could tell they didn't. They were like, "Who's this guy? Who is this guy?" Yeah. It was almost awkward. Yeah. And then they brought out Regis Philbin with a, a birthday cake, and I was like, "This is just like it's completely the days of Philbin and and and, and Rickles, not in my mind, but in like most people watching that show now. They don't even know. They're who like, who they are. you know. And then Lena Dunham came out, and I was like, I turned off. But, like, most people would probably be like, yay, someone I know and either like and or hate. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if they hate her, they can watch her and go, ugh, I hate her. Or if they like her, they probably go, true in the 80s, too. But, yeah. I don't know, man. I feel like, when, like, that's the other thing. Like, when you look at, uh, uh, like, the movies of the 80s, the people who are, like, the heroes or even the comedians or all the rest of it, they're all in, like, their late 30s, early 40s. Like, they're all... Like the Ghostbusters are not like young, sexy people. No, but that's you know a what I mean. No, no. But nowadays, well, not, I mean, okay, nowadays it'd be Kristen <laughs> Wiig and Melissa McCarthy. Yeah. Okay. They're not particularly young. Nowadays, or it, sexy. No, no, no. You're right about the Ghostbusters are bad at comedy, but I mean, like, yeah. <sighs> you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, that movie with Zac Efron. Yeah. Right. Robert De Niro. Dirty grandpa. <laughs> like, that's what we're dealing with right now. I'm just saying, aside... No, I... you, you're not seeing those... Those lounge comedians that back in the day were... Carson would bring out because... And they would become famous for their Carson appearances because no one went to Vegas to see them other than the people who always went to Vegas to see them. Right. Well, I think talk television has changed. Right. It's not anymore. It's... It's something else. Right. And they're shooting for a different demographic. Like, back then they were aiming at the adults. Like kids watch kids stuff. Adults watch adult stuff. People who are 20, nobody gave a shit about. <laughs> I guess so. You know what I'm... I know. What I don't know. I feel like that's what it was. I'm trying to say that in this... And in now the, the, it's the, like everybody wants the 20 to... Well, and it do, also doesn't help that our generation grew up and we're still stunted and still watch cartoons. Right. But you know, what I mean, so. you don't have like the Dean Martins or the... the, the you, you, there's not those like... No one comes on TV with a scotch and a cigarette anymore. You know what I mean? Like it just doesn't... Well, yeah. And there's there's something they exist. And, they're just not on TV. I get it, but it's it's. Steve I miss, Martin. I miss that. Steve Martin comes out and plays his fucking banjo. Yeah, but he's like the old guard of. Right. Um, At least Martin Short comes out and still like tries to cool. attempt to be funny. He doesn't like come out and start to. And here's another song I that know, I wrote Bill on Murray, a accordion. He's like a legend now. Like all of these old comedians. I guess so. They don't feel old to us because we're old. <laughs> I think I just miss drunk people moaning. <laughs> that's what I mean. All right, that's fair. <laughs> I miss drunk people moaning on television. That's what I mean. All right. And that, I, I like... I was going to say, you should do after movie bar, and yeah. then you can have drunk people moaning. No, because all bars are awful now. Yeah. <laughs> you could never record a podcast anymore. No, but anyway, uh, my opinion of this film is that it's... I think it is... Uh, a lost Scorsese classic. I think it does deserve to be seen. I think that... Is any Scorsese movie not a classic? Yeah, plenty. Yeah. New York, New York is not a classic. Okay, I don't even know that movie. Right. Um, the Age of Innocence was when it came out, but no one's talking about it anymore. 
don't know that. Uh, Kundan. Has anyone even seen it? Kundan? Kundan. He did a film called Kundan about Tibetan monks. Oh, wasn't that Kundun? Is that how you pronounce it? I believe it? it's Kundun. Oh, is I, it Kundun? Well, I Kundun you saying that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I cannot Kundun yes. your pronunciation of that film. This whole podcast is Kundan. <laughs> Meaning, come undone. Anyway. Wow. Um, <laughs> I, what I'm saying is, when people talk about the Scorsese De Niro years in the same way they talk about the DiCaprio Scorsese years, it's like no one mentions Shutter Island anymore. It's Wolf of Wall Street. Maybe it's The Aviator. Maybe is Shutter the, Island you know. a classic now? No, no, no. But I'm saying, like, Shutter Island is one of those that people will go back and revisit because it's actually much better than the other ones he's done with DiCaprio. Is that the one where he's a clone? And they ripped off that other clone movie? There's not a oh, movie. Oh, that was where... The Island. Never mind. There's no movie he... <laughs> Scorsese hasn't done a movie with No, not Scorsese. Where DiCaprio, DiCaprio. is was a clone. DiCaprio? No, no. Yeah, the, that island the Island was... Was that DiCaprio? Cra- it uh, was um, Ewan McGregor and oh, Scarlett Ewan Johansson. McGregor, right. Okay, never mind. You said island, and I thought of the other. Forget it. Keep going. It's okay. Um, yeah. Speaking of coming in, I'm just saying of all the of all the Scorsese De Niro ones, next to New York, New York, this is probably the one that's least mentioned. If people are going to talk about anything, it's probably going to be Raging Bull and Goodfellas, which I'm actually, which I would actually watch the least. I would watch Casino, Taxi Driver, and King of Comedy before. I feel I watch. like people would talk about Taxi Driver the most. Not so much now. Everyone loves Goodfellas. Goodfellas is the one everyone loves. All right, Goodfellas. Because it's about gangsters, and gangsters are cool, I hate man. Gangster movies. Right. Personally, so. Don't get me wrong. I love Goodfellas, but I love Taxi Driver, King of Comedy, and I feel Casino like Goodfellas more. is overrated, too. That's what I'm saying. But that's just me. That's exactly what I, I just said. I was never a big fan of that movie. Um, I, like I also think movie. Raging Bull is overrated. Uh, okay. Do you need water? No, I'm good. Um... So I like it. I would urge people to go out and see it. I think that there is a lot going on in it. Um, I think that it talks about America. It talks about stand-up comedy. It talks about um, ambition. It talks about psychosis. It talks about, like... Uh, it says more about the audience than, than anything. I but I think, I think and that... And not a good thing. I think that when I watch... Pupkin, there is a part of me that cringes because I know there's a part of me that at 16 was like, I'm going to send off my comedy tape to the BBC and it's going to be everyone's going to think it's the funniest thing ever and I'm going to become the next John Cleese. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I I know. Right. (laughs) And I didn't become the next John Cleese. I just stayed Maybe this is why you like this movie and I don't because I can't relate to that at all. There was never a moment where you thought... I've never liked anything that I've done. Wow, really? Not a thing. Not even deep inside you, you're like, wow, I played that role-playing game really well. Nope. No, I'm terrible at video games. Okay. (laughs) I'm just saying, I I, I just, I just think... I'm like brutally, critically honest with myself to the point of... Not doing it. Probably hating myself more than most people hate me. Everyone I know likes you. I don't mean literally like that. I mean, like, if I were to do, if I was to produce some sort of content, I'm usually very critical. But anyway, look, I think people should listen to King, uh, listen to this episode. 
Um, I think that people should watch King of Comedy, however they find it. Um, I think that people will like this episode, Mark, because they'll be like, yay, Mark, back on a podcast. No, they'll be like, why is that guy such an asshole? Why are you friends with an asshole? No, I think people like it when we bicker. People love it when Jim and I bicker. Yeah, but Jim's charming. No, that's the accent, dude. He's, I, he's, I know, it's not fair. You guys have an unfair advantage. See, the funny thing is, is Jim is much nicer than either of us. Like, as a human being, Jim is like a genuinely quite, wonderful human quite being. Quite nice and polite. And right. he's got a wonderful love of chamomile tea. Right. Whereas which you I were, love chamomile, too, isn't it? Yeah. I always thought it was chamomile, but, you know, it's probably a British thing. Right. And I'm always waiting for a waiter to be like, what the fuck do you want? Yeah. But they always know. Like this And I'm waiter. always shocked. Like this waiter, never when he was like, what the fuck do you want? And you were like, I'm not ready. Fuck off. <laughs> and then he came over and he was like, I'm a miserable fucking son of a bitch. That was, was my favorite thing tonight. He's a great guy. I'm going to come back just to have more misery dumped Did upon me. Did we give me. him a good tip? I'll, 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 I'll toss him. in for a tip. I gave him seven bucks. On a thirty-five dollar right. tip, that's twenty bucks, twenty percent. All right, that's good. plus that's post-tax. So technically, okay, on, okay, on okay, 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 we get it, we get so it. We don't need to talk about money. It's so crass and all so crass. I know. Aren't you British? Aren't you supposed to be I've been mortified by things like that? <laughs> I don't get mortified <laughs> by anything anymore. We live in a world where Donald Trump is running for president and is within <laughs> a winnings chance. So, like, no, I don't get mortified by anything. I get mortified by my country leaving Europe, which I'm surprised we went the whole podcast without mentioning. So, well, I know. We did. Anyway. A Brexit. I have a time. Is it time for us to make our Brexit? Yes, it is. We just uh, ate breakfast, and now we're going to Brexit. Well, now we're going to Brexit. Right. But, no, uh, Mark, uh, Euphigenia McDonald, it was a real pleasure. Euphigenia. <laughs> 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 Isn't that Mrs. Doubtfire's name? Um, no idea. I think it is. Uh, what did you think your name? Oh, Efron. I said, Mark. <laughs> Efron McDonald. Thank you for so much. I'm so thank you for so much. <laughs> thank you so much for being on a the friend. After Movie Diner this week and a friend. Travel down the road and back again. Yes. Down the road, that's where I'm going to be. What? Da, 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 I found a new friend. That's Turn not around. what I was going for at all. That's the uh, Little Estoba. I was going for the Golden Girls. Oh, well, I like the Golden Girls, too. Will you? Thank you for being a friend. Travel down the road. Travel down the road and back again. I know that one as well. Okay. But I became the littlest hobo. I didn't really. I didn't, like, metamorphosize into it. All right. Enough of this. It's okay. Enough of this. It doesn't matter, John. Cut it short. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. Thank you, sir. (laughs) That means a lot. (laughs) You know, what else? You, if, you know what else is you if you had a party yeah. and you invited everyone you knew? You got some water pr- waterfront property you, in Nebraska to sell me. No, you'd you. see that the biggest gift would be from me. Right. And the card attached would say, thank you for being a friend. Okay, good. You're doing a whole Golden Girls bit. <laughs> I feel like I should I was, have Mo on the show. I'm a little disappointed a, that you haven't gotten, gotten I, in on this. I, I, you, didn't, you didn't catch on to that. I am, I am a... Fan of a fan of the Golden Girls. Fair enough. I am a fan of Kim and I am a fan of Mo, and they are both fans of the Golden Girls. Well, then, if and I when made it's on, even a little bit happy. Oh, you made her, that, you made Kim very yeah, happy. Either of them. Um, and I and I, if it's on, I will watch it. But I can't say that I'm going to. Oh, I'm not either. Right. Are you kidding? That show? What a piece of shit. No, it's no, no Lovejoy. Now you. Just... <laughs> 
and, and on that bombshell, <laughs> thanks for being on the show, you miserable bastard. Thank you. Okay, so we'll be back in a moment with more King of Comedy talk and, of course, the ending song. But before we do that, it is just my duty to inform everybody listening that if you like the show or if you love the website, aftermoviediner.com, please go to patreon.com forward slash aftermoviediner. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash after movie diner and sponsor the show or indeed you can go over to miscplumbingfixtures.bandcamp.com that's m-i-s-c plumbing as in what a plumber does fixtures as in what they use to fix your plumbing with dot uh, bandcamp.com and pick up my brand new album almost naked a 16 track long hit full of ukulele brilliance uh, you can go pick that up over at miscplumbingfixtures.bandcamp.com and all the money goes to the show and the awesome relaunch of our aftermoviediner.com website, which is tantalizingly close within weeks, I promise you. Uh, so please, please, please do keep the show going uh, by helping us out that way. Or if you'd rather not, you can always email us at aftermoviediner at gmail.com. Rate and review the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, or wherever podcasts are found. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your enemies, tell someone in the street. Uh, mention it at a supermarket checkout, wherever you are. Uh, be talking about the After Movie Diner. And we are going to be coming back to you with phenomenal weekly content. We've got guest bloggers coming up. We've got guest hosts on the podcast coming up. We have got new film news, new film reviews, all sorts of exciting stuff coming up on the brand new website. So please, 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 please do help us. And if you can't support the show financially, support us by telling someone you love or someone you hate all about the After Movie Diner. Thanks. And now an extra little exciting sneak snippet uh, from my conversation uh, with Mark McDonald, followed by the ending song. Thanks ever so much for listening. Love you all. Good night. Right, so we're walking out of the diner and Mark starts to regale me with an actual bit of factual knowledge that he has about King of Comedy he didn't even bring up in the show. So we're, we're now doing a recording as we walk to 14th Street, which is embarrassing Mark no end. Yeah. But he's being a very a good sport awkward. about it. It is very there awkward. Are pe- there are girls people, walking by them people love looking this. at us strange. Yeah, no, I want girls to look at me strange. So <laughs> you, was, you were saying the sequence in the King of Comedy where Jerry Lewis is walking down the road and a woman on the phone asks for an autograph from him and says, will you speak to my uh, nephew on the phone? And he says, sorry, I'm, I'm late for something. And she says, you should only get cancer, which is hilarious. It's one of the best scenes in the movie that we didn't mention. Yeah. You said what about that? Uh, I was saying that that's, uh, that was an actual anecdote that he had told to Scorsese and they wanted to include it in the movie. So it was something that had actually happened to him in real life. And during the scene, when they were shooting it, he was coaching the old lady on the proper way to deliver the you should only get cancer line. Uh, Well, she did it very well. Yeah, and apparently he coached her on that. Because John was just reading online that somebody said that... Rowley Hatch. Yeah, Raleigh said that he had... uh, Sorry, Raleigh. It's Raleigh, yeah. He had said that... uh, In my accent. Jerry Lewis had uh, directed some of the scenes... Yeah, and I don't know if that's true, but I was saying that I knew that that, that scene he had directed that woman on the proper way to deliver lines. So, or did, to deliver that line, which did you always know this bit of information, or was your memory just jogged by what? Yeah, my said? memory was just jogged by that whole bit. 
Oh, okay. I, I didn't think of it. I, I did not think of it while we were in the diner, so. Right. Wow, that is the creepiest shop front in it ever. Oh. That is really frightening at night. There was a kid's toy shop with lots of, like, really demonic stuffed toys in the front well, window. You know, to the, be fair, they weren't demonic at all. They were Hello Kitty. Right, but, like, <laughs> they were lit up by this, like, demonic, unearthly pink glow. <laughs> and it made, it made cute anime characters, anime plushies, look demonic to me. And it was horrific. All right, if you say so. Yeah. I don't know in what world the pink is demonic, but... No, no, but it was that kind of unearthly pink that looked a bit like um, a Giallo movie when a guy in black leather gloves oh, is yeah. about to strangle someone. Yeah, that's a good point. That, like, yellowy pink. That yeah, almost, yeah. like, uh, pink. Right, the sickly pink. Yes. A... Pepto-Bismol pink. An Argento-esque yes. lighting... You could almost say an Argento magenta. <laughs> <laughs> Director jokes. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. That was a good addendum to the show. Pumpkin. La, 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 
tour you're getting. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.